I'm Dr. Sterling. I'm a board-certified OBGYN and mom. Welcome to the Becoming Moms podcast, where I give you the step-by-step to optimizing your physical and emotional wellness in pregnancy so you can create a nourishing environment for your baby, your family, and yourself. The information shared in this podcast is intended for general education purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard in this podcast. All right, lovelies, let's dive in to this week's episode. All right. So in this episode of Becoming Moms, I have two very special guests. Sue Campbell is the communications director for the Center for Parental Leave Leadership and co-author of the book, The Parental Leave Playbook, 10 Touch Points to Transition Smoothly, Strengthen Your Family, and Continue Building Your Career. Her co-author, Dr. Amy Beacom, focused her doctoral research on this topic, and together they have worked with Fortune 100 companies to improve their parental leave programs for their employees. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having us. It's wonderful to be here. So I'm really excited to hear more about what you all do. What is the Center for Parental Leave Leadership? Tell me about that work that you all are doing. Sure. Sue, do you want me to start with that? Yeah, go ahead. Um, We are, the Center for Parental Leave Leadership is the first and so far only full service consultancy to focus exclusively on parental leave in this country. We do everything from uh, policy work to um, manager training, ex- coaching, parental leave coaching, uh, screening and assessments, audits, um, anything that can help make parental leave better within workplaces. And then we also do um, direct-to-consumer um, coaching work. And in, a, in on March 7th, we are launching our very first program to start training coaches in our method, which is the only evidence-based and human-centered parental leave coaching method so far to exist. That is so exciting and so (laughs) neat. And I love that y'all are uh, addressing this from so many different angles, right? There's the actual individuals who are trying to navigate their lead. There's the companies that... um, (laughs) need a lot of help Uh (laughs) and you know and then um the policy aspect which i can imagine is probably um some of the more difficult work that y'all do because policy is it's a big beast it is the policy work is fascinating because it's usually where people enter their thinking around parental leave like um, both from the company and the new parent side, the new parents thinking, what's my policy? How much leave do I have access to? What are my benefits? Do they stop? You know, just trying to get that sort of grounding under them as they're planning their leave. And then companies are coming at it of what should we offer? How much is too much? What's our budgets? And obviously paid leave is a huge conversation in this country right now. Yeah. Um, a lot of the work we do, I should mention, 
my background is in organizational psychology and um and executive coaching and adult learning um so i didn't come to this from a policy background it really was from an organizational development and human support background and what we found is if we don't get those policy pieces done people can't actually move on to do that the other work of going through this time frame and really getting all the benefits that are on offer right well that's uh brings me to my first question which you kind of touched on is when should people start thinking about planning this maternity or paternity leave before they and leave college <laughs> <laughs> And I really mean that a little bit seriously because the the career you choose, the company you choose to work for, the partner that you um, choose all impact what you're able to do around that time frame. Um, That's such a good point. We really, you know, do not think about it oftentimes until it's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Sue, do you have a... a <laughs> concrete answer. Let's say, let's say you yeah, didn't. like you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess the very the positive pregnancy test is the time to start thinking about it. Yes, yes, and uh, you know, many people are are planning. So you know, if you are trying to get pregnant, uh, if you're in fertility treatments, um, and if you have that positive, or if you're planning to adopt or however you're planning to start your family, um, you know, a lot of people kind of know, oh, I better get some childcare lined up if I intend on going back to work because childcare is all booked up. Well, you should think about this just as soon, right? Um, Because it's only going to serve you well to really get on top of this and come at this with a perspective of you are going to lead your leave experience. In this country, unfortunately, if you wait for someone to show you what you get and how this is all going to work, you know, you've lost the opportunity to steer that in a direction that's going to benefit you because there are no great practices in place in most companies and most organizations. They're flying by the seat of their pants. They're reinventing the wheel with every single leave. So you need to figure out what you want and then figure out a way to ask for it. That makes it a win-win. I love that perspective because I don't think, I definitely, when I approached my maternity leave, I was... I was not thinking about how I could negotiate for a better leave. I was just thinking that, well, this is what, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we ever had a conversation about this is what I want. (laughs) Right. Uh, Most people are just waiting for their organization to come to them. They they may announce they're expecting, but then they wait for the rules and the roadmap for, that they're supposed to follow. And in our country, that isn't, that isn't the way to do it. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that is great to know. Yeah. I, I think it's also really confusing to people because the leave that is available in the United States mm-hmm. is really very state to state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so how do you recommend people figure out what the parental leave policies are in their state mm-hmm. and in their place of employment? Yeah. You know, it's so tricky because in for some of your listeners may not know the united states is the only country in 
the world, the only wealthy country that does not have a federal paid leave policy. What we have is a a mismatch of different policies at some states. We have uh, nine nine states plus DC. Is that where we're at now, Sue? I think it's nine states plus DC. DC um, that have paid leave policies at the state level. The rest of the states in this country have no policies whatsoever. And it's down to the individual company and employer to provide a policy. And it's also on the backs of that employer to provide a policy and support, which it shouldn't be. This should be a state level or fed, I'm sorry, a federal level um, solution. Um, Employers are often in a really tricky bind, especially if they're a multi-state employer. And most new parents could care less that their employer's in a bind. But I think it's important for people to consider how messed up this is systemically and really understand it's not our company's problem to solve. They are not the ones that should be in that position. This is a, a societal issue that we all need to solve. Um, So what we first recommend people do is see if your state is one of the states that does have a paid leave policy. We we have maps and, and, you know, there's ways to do that. You can Google Google that easily. Um, And then also within states, some cities layer on another policy on top of that. And then some companies layer on a policy on top of that. So it's sort of that's the tier. Is there a state level one? Is there a city level one? Is there, you know, what is it in my company? And that's going to your HR. Only 23% of people in the United States have access to even one day of paid leave, which means those other places don't have a policy. Um, So that's, unless you're working for a large employer, and even in that case, they often don't have policies, um, paid leave policies. They may have a short-term disability or a maximum amount of time you can take. Um, but you want to check. Don't assume. Yeah. Don't assume. And then the, the other thing I will say, just because this can also be confusing for people, is um, often people think that if they're covered by FMLA, that means they have paid leave. FMLA is the Family Medical Leave Act. And what that is, is job protection, unpaid job protection. And the FMLA only covers roughly 53 to 56% of people in the United States. So the rest of those people are not covered even for job protection. Oh, my goodness. Which means they can get fired when they announce they're pregnant or expecting a child. (laughs) (laughs) Sue, did you want to say something? Um, it, it, and it's, it's not necessarily that they get fired when they're pregnant or expecting a child, but they will not get any paid leave. Right. So they, they, yeah. you can, you know, end their employment and they won't get paid or any of that, but you know, there's still mm-hmm. laws to protect you from being fired yes. just because yeah. you're pregnant. Okay. Yes. Okay. Sorry. So <laughs> let me, I want to clarify something. So when you say there's only nine States that offer leave, is that including States that offer some kind of disability or is that Or is that states that have a specific, this is a paternity and maternity leave? Um, I'm sorry, I didn't understand the first part of that question. Can you? So, for example, in California, Mm -hmm. California has six weeks of, you know, uh, disability. It's partially paid Mm -hmm. for vaginal deliveries, eight weeks for a cesarean birth. Mm -hmm. 
but that's not necessarily specific parental leave. That is a physical disability policy. So, yeah. So are we, are we saying that there's only nine states that have a specific parental leave and somewhere like California wouldn't be included in that? Or are we talking, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. Um, So you're talking about the difference also between a birthing parent and and a non-birthing parent. Those um, nine states plus DC are parental leave policies. California was the the leader across the entire country. I think California's policy is in its 11th or 12th year. I've lost track with the pandemic. Um, So they were the very first state to have any focused parental leave policy. What the insurance program that sits behind that can be different if you're birthing or non-birthing parent, but it and and the amount of time you're offered can be different that way too. And then just to emphasize, not one of those states um, have the same policy. That every right, one of them is different. It's so confusing. I mean, even myself as a, as a OBGYN, you know, patients would ask me questions. And I'm like, girl, I'm trying to figure this out for myself too. Like, I do not know. It's so confusing. It's yeah. so confusing. Yeah. So what do you want people to keep in mind when they're preparing for maternity leave? Well, one of the first things I think relates to what we just covered is the first thing everybody wants to know. It's like triage. How much time do I get? How much pay do I get? right? Get that question answered first, but that is not the end of it. Okay. That is the first phase. That's the beginning. It's what you need to be thinking about. Um, Once you know that, then you need to assess all of the other pieces of your situation and create an action plan that is going to get you most of what you want this experience to be like. Okay. And that's what we really lay out in in the book, the Brenna Leave Playbook. We have the ten, those. That's what those ten touch points are. Those are the things that everyone navigates through during this time frame, no matter their role, their position, their sex, their you know their gender identification. Um, those are those things you think about and need to go through and handle well in order to have a positive experience. Okay. So talk to me about, you guys talk about the, the three phases of parental leave. And I thought that was a nice way of kind of framing the, you know, the question or the problem Mm -hmm. is that there's three, three phases. So can you explain what those phases are? Sure. And we, we really do this because the term parental leave is so poor. Yeah. or term. Um, it's, of course, everyone just thinks about leave. It really, we were talking to um, Eve Rodsky and she was saying, we really should call it parental stay. I'm like, yes, we should. It's parental stay. It's get, keeping you in your job. But what we talk about is the parental leave transition. And a lot right. of the background in this work is rooted in transition theory and what do people go through during during a transition time. And that's always a preparing for, a during, and a returning from, or emerging from. And so that's our, the three phases of leave is roughly nine months to a year of transition in your personal life and your professional career that map onto that. Preparing for leave, roughly three months before you go out on leave, 
during leave and then a returning from leave phase that's you know three months to a year of getting um, your sea legs under you. I think that's such a it's such an important way to frame this conversation and the actual experience Mm -hmm. because I, I really I think that when we don't acknowledge what a transition it is, a lot of people just hit a brick wall, Mm -hmm. right? They have no idea how challenging (laughs) that transition is. Um, Absolutely. And all parts of it can be, and they can be differently for different people. Someone might really struggle in that preparing for leave when they're pregnant or having adoption issues. And someone else might struggle in that middle phase where they right. welcome that baby, but that baby has colic or whatever it is going right. on. Or someone else might struggle on that return because they really don't want to leave that child or they struggle on the return because they really want to grow in their career, but they're feeling held back by that child. Like however it happens is completely individual, but that doesn't mean there aren't these touch points that everyone goes through. Yeah. And what we do right now, I mean, it seems like pretty much everybody, but but the two of you, you know, you guys are advocating for an evidence-based approach and you're teaching that in your book Mm -hmm. because what we have right now is just, there's no framework. There's, Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of um, education or discussion about these three phases and, and, you know, the challenges that they bring and how to, navigate that right like Mm -hmm. we're all just kind of figuring it out on our own yeah this the it makes me sort of sick to my stomach that this book is the very first and still only because it's new (laughs) book on how to navigate parental leave from an evidence-based perspective for all parents like the fact that it's 2022 and we don't have that yet is outrageous yeah, and I one question I have for y'all is how do you deal with, you know, if you've got a great company who's has a policy and they're proactive, that's wonderful, but what about the many many people who, you know, their their uh, place of work doesn't have a policy and perhaps they even have an employer or a boss that doesn't really get it, right? Mm-hmm. They they're referring to this parental leave as a vacation. Mm-hmm. They're they're you know, not a, they're not making it easy on you. How do we navigate those situations? Call us, have us come and do training. I I half, half jokingly say that, but um, hand them the parental leave playbook, go to your HR. So I want you to, to chime in on this one too, but really this is so, so common because There's not a single manager in this country, except for the few companies where we've trained them over the years, that have ever been trained in how to navigate parental leave and how to manage it well. That's the problem. And so those poor managers, some are just jerks, but some are, or who haven't experienced it themselves, I mean, that's a very small percentage. It's usually people who are good intentioned, who um, just don't want to say the wrong thing or hurt feelings or get a lawsuit, you know, that are really just unsure and have never been told by their company how to do this. Well, right. I mean, that makes sense. And if you haven't gone through it yourself, you you just might not have any clue right. mm-hmm. how difficult um, of a transition that it can be. Right. Um, I think that's really 
you know, I just never even thought that, you know, we have the power as the individual to educate our HR or our employer about this. You know, it's just not, you don't think about your, that being your job. Right. And it's actually, this is where it gets really interesting because there's a vacuum in this country around best practice around this time. There is actually an opportunity for each individual to carve out the most positive experience that they can and a very individualized, customized experience. Yeah. Right. It's like go in looking for the win-win, right? Mm-hmm. We uh, because we don't have you know practices people can step in. I mean, Amy and I do. You can use our practices, but largely people are navigating this blind, um, and they don't have that framework. So y- that gives you the opportunity to say, "Here's what I want. Here's how I can make it work for you too," right? Yeah. Um, and go in looking for those win-wins. Now. I want to just be really strong in saying this should not be a parent's problem to solve. Right. But it's not going to get fixed before you have your baby. (laughs) Right. So you've got to do whatever you can to carve out an experience for yourself that's going to give you a chance to feel at the end like this was a positive experience. Yes, there are going to be peaks and valleys, but we want you to come out the other side stronger. One of the things that, you know, charmed me into working with Amy in the first place was her um, really strong belief that this is a huge missed opportunity. Becoming a parent in this country, um, just period, turns you into a higher level of personal growth and development. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And employers are missing it. They're not taking advantage, to put it crudely, Right. They're like they're creating this um, often, not intentionally even, but they're creating this us against them mentality because they're not giving the support instead of saying, oh, my goodness, how fantastic. This is going to mean so much for you. And we're here for you. We've got your back. Let's find a way to make this work. Pregnancy can be really hard. On top of all the physical stuff, there's the emotional impact of not feeling well and not feeling at home in your body for months on end. If you are having a tough time in pregnancy, you are not alone. I have so been there and I want to help you. Head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com to register for my free class, Four Ways to Make Your Pregnancy Easier and Healthier. This class is all about taking some of the stress and overwhelm off your plate. Head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com and pick a time to watch the class from the comfort of your own home. You deserve support, Mama. Yeah, I mean, they're losing employees, right? Yes. Uh, Skilled employees. And I'm sure that's a lot of the conversations you're having with companies is how much it costs to retrain someone and how valuable somebody who's gone through, who's, who's gone through this experience and who's a parent, like we just, we bring something different to the table, you know? Absolutely. Um, man, the skills that I have learned. Yes. We, um, my, I used to do large scale leadership development offsite programs in the, in the late nineties. And what I 
jokingly to refer, sort of jokingly referred to in the book um, is parental leave is the mother of all experiential learning programs. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you would be wise to treat it as such because it is free. It is on the calendar. I mean, free-ish. It's on yeah. the calendar. And it's happening. So stop treating it as this time out and treat it as one of the most important opportunities in a career and a personal life for growth and development. I mean, all of the skills that are critical to the future of work that have historically been considered soft skills, you are honing and fine tuning during this transition to parenthood, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, when I, you know, I went through obviously undergrad, medical school, residency, 80 hour work weeks, Mm -hmm. and nothing has was as difficult Mm -hmm. as becoming a parent and trying to figure out breastfeeding and all of that. And Mm -hmm. it has made me such a more well-rounded, flexible, um, you know, empathetic, empathetic. I mean, just like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and it really forges us as humans, yeah. the fire of that. Um, and and if people are given the support and the, the resources to really go into that and come out the other side stronger, we're all better for it. Right now, they aren't given that. And what is people suffer? It's traumatizing yeah. for everyone. And the interesting thing is, is that, you know, it's, we see that, actually becoming a parent for women is often seen as a it's deterring from our career and our skills because there's this assumption that um you know we are distracted or our, our priorities have shifted and we don't see that same assumption made for men mm-hmm. i think that i think it is a reality that your priorities shift when you become a parent but i think this assumption that it's a negative I mean, how do we how do we deal that on on a bigger scale? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that we try to do is point to people that language on how we talk about this time is really important. So okay. we don't use maternity and paternity anymore. We always use parental leave. Okay. And when we're writing policy for a company, we're always telling them this needs to be a gender neutral, completely inclusive policy. When men are just as likely as women to take a caregiving leave and the full mm-hmm. amount of their caregiving leave, we will start to lose those unconscious biases. Yeah. Right. Totally that's, agree. That's such an important piece is the way we talk about it, the expectations that we have. We also really love it when companies basically make people to take their mm-hmm. vacation or take their parental leave, right? That they enforce it and say, no, this is important. And they lead by example. Um, And that is how you start to really stock that female talent pipeline and keep it going and not lose people in this transition. And that is how you allow men to have beautiful, rich family lives where they're not, you know, compromised in their parenting ability because they didn't get to spend time with that child the first three to six months of their life. Yeah. I mean, it makes a difference. And I know that there's research to back that up too. Mm -hmm. So much. Yeah. So talk to me, um, I want to pivot here to the, you know, during leave time. For a lot of us, it's spent worrying about going back to work. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. we haven't really, the 
you know, we prepare for our leave, we get our ducks in a row, we have the baby, and then it seems like almost right after we either have the baby or the baby comes into our life, then it's like, oh gosh, I have to go back to work. So do you have any advice to kind of decrease the fears and anxieties about returning to work? Part of that can be addressed in your preparing phase, right? If you know you have that sort of temperament where you're going to feel that time pressure, there are things that you can plan to help mitigate that in your actual action planning. Um, I'm also a really big fan of getting a coach or doing some self-coaching so that you can kind of watch yourself doing it and be like, okay, is that how I want to spend this precious time? Can I let go of that? I love there's um it's it's almost a meditative practice to try to unhook from that a little bit and enjoy the moment that you're in. And one of the most useful ways I've ever heard of letting go of a thought, uh, a painful thought, right? Um, is imagine that you're holding a tennis ball, and there are two ways if you're clutching that tennis ball to let it go. One is if you're holding it with your palm down and you just drop it and it falls to the ground. And then the other, which I think is more useful for this transition and the people we work with, is you hold that tennis ball with your palm up and you just relax your fingers and let that tennis ball rest there. Okay. Right? Isn't that a great visual where you're like, oh, I just feel like my chest kind of unlock a little bit when I'm like, I can let that tennis ball that is my return to work rest in my hand without clutching it. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, it's, I'd love that too, Sue. And the, I also want to just acknowledge how hard it is in this country because we don't have an extended leave. In a, play, in a country where you have six months to a year, you're getting antsy. You might be wanting to go back to work, but when right. you have six weeks of leave or three weeks of leave, it's outrageous. Um, so that that's one thing. But to, to be, be, I just want to acknowledge that, but in the face of that not shifting, we we still have to have tools to help. Right. Um, and one of the ones that I think is most important is really spending time and getting clear on your values as a as a parent, as a person, okay. and then figuring out where those align with with your return to work, with your work, with what you're doing. Um, you know. Some people may have adventure as a value and can reshape the way they think about that return as an adventure. Or if you see that there's a misalignment with your value and what you're going to encounter on your return to work, that's a flag to have those conversations, to negotiate something different, to change a role or change a piece of something that you're doing so that it is a better fit for you. Um, and use that time to to enjoy your work. I mean, for so many people in this country, work is joyful. Work they yeah. get so much out of their work. They define their themselves through their work, and so that moment where those that new role of parent, this new child, and your old role come into conflict. Um, is really that moment to reassess. And so these are some of the things that we talk about in the book as we really wrote it as a coach in your hand. Yeah. Walk you through every single one of these questions and give you tools and exercises as you meet them um, along the way. But those are just some of the 
some of the ways to do that. Yeah. I think that's incredible. <laughs> I mean, I wish that, uh, I, I honestly, um, my going back to work experience myself was so eye opening. You know, mm -hmm. I had gone from being, um, a resident in which we have 80 hour work weeks. And then I transitioned to a, uh, you know, a private practice um, with a group of physicians and I worked 50 to 60 hours a week. And, you know, when I didn't have kids and I was coming from an 80 hour work week, didn't feel that bad. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, you know, I had no real concept of what working 50 to 60 hours a week would mean when I had a child mm -hmm. and the conversations that I had to have with my employer um, when I came back and realized that this was a, a fast track to burnout were mm -hmm. so uncomfortable. Yeah. So uncomfortable. And really quite, yeah. you know, when I expressed this is, I'm not burnout right now, but I will be. I mean, mm -hmm. I was told um, if this is, if this is causing you burnout, then that's a, that's a you problem. Cause plenty of physicians work this much with families. Right. Oh my goodness. I was, and I was also told by someone who purports to be a feminist uh, when I, when I said I need to work, part, my part-time was 40 hours a week. <laughs> um, and so I took a pay cut to go part-time for oh. 40 hours a week. And um, my employer said, uh, I guess I can understand why some companies don't like to hire reproductive aged women now. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. It's so true. It's so, it's so common. It's so common. This is, and this is OBGYNs, right? These are okay. other physicians who are supposed to be supporting yeah. you know, new mothers and, and new postpartum people. And, uh, it you really know. <laughs> One of the things that I just hear so loudly in that is just how um, how messed up we are as a country, yeah. because these are not things that shouldn't be part of our normal day-to-day -day careers, right? Yeah. Everyone become not everyone, everyone who becomes a parent, there should be a process in place within the company to expect that. Use it as an opportunity to train up other people. Have there be floaters within your company who fill in for people yeah. while they're away. I mean, there's this. these are systemic strategic planning opportunities that we are not missing. And it is hurting so many people in this country. Yeah. And I mean, they ended up losing me yeah. from the practice. Right. Because that. I felt, you know, from that point forward, it was like, this is not a place that's going to support me. Yep. yep. And once that is cut, that, that it, trust. Yep. You can't, it's almost impossible to go back. And don't think that all of those other people who are thinking, oh, I want to have a child someday weren't watching, right? Yeah. That company doesn't understand the ripple effects of those things. Yeah. So yeah, let's our, talk a little bit about the perspective that you want people to take when they're thinking about the re-entry to work. Because I, y'all are the first ones who I have ever heard talk about this being a phase, <laughs> this re-entry. So I'm really interested what your perspective is on re-entry. 
This is probably my favorite phase to talk about because I think in many ways it's the most challenging. And I say that as someone who, you know, six years ago had an extremely challenging pregnancy. Um, <laughs> so the re-entry, because of our culture and the kinds of things that you just described, can be extremely rocky, but you think like, oh, okay, I had the baby and now it's all gonna be okay because I'm just gonna go back to normal. That's yeah. what you think beforehand, right? 100%. And then you have this child in your arms and you're like, oh, what do I do, right? And I think this is just as true for men, but they they don't even have the ability to say it. They don't ha even have you know society acknowledging that that is something that happens to them. Yeah. Um, so first of all, the, f the first touch point in this phase is acknowledge the transition to working parenthood. Okay. And that it is a big deal, right? Um, yeah. That it is, it means a shift in your role and your identities. You know, Amy's based a lot of our retained framework on transition theory and also with identity, right? Um, all of the research in roles and identity and you have to recognize that all of your roles are shifting. Yeah. Everything in your day-to-day -day that you used to know is now completely different. Your priorities are different. Your values are different. So taking the time to properly acknowledge that and to acknowledge you are going to have to have some uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, are you glad that you did not stay in that environment now when you're looking back? Me? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Right? Yeah. And I mean, there, go ahead. Yeah, there was, you know, that was the beginning. It's just, it was the beginning of the end. The, the trust was kind of severed and then other things happened. Like the, the reason I left wasn't really the work-life balance. That wasn't the, the main problem, mm -hmm. but it was, you know, when I had another experience, you know, I, uh, OBGYN, our jobs can be very traumatic. And so when I had a traumatic experience with a patient and then again, didn't have that support, it was, you know, that was, I was like, okay, this is not, this is not the place for me. Um, right. But it, it started then, even though that wasn't the issue that I ended up leaving because of. Yeah. 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 And the, I mean, the other touch point that really I think is the crux of the return is adjustment. So you have to understand that you are un undergoing an adjustment and you have to be kind to yourself. And too often in our culture, we equate, oh, I'm having to adjust something. That means I've failed. That means yeah. I can't cut it. Yeah, right. And definitely. that is not the case at all. Um, you will adjust repeatedly because you are changing, your child is changing and yeah. is going to be entering different developmental periods where their needs will be different. Uh, so you need to see this as an ongoing process and that this is how you grow. This is part of that forging of your new parent identity. And that really gives you superpowers on some level. Oh, 100%. The, the fact that as a parent, you are constantly having to learn and adjust and be flexible. And I mean, mm -hmm. what an incredible learning and growth experience. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So remember when it gets really rocky, everyone out there listening, (laughs) right? That these are also the gifts of that time. This is what makes you more resilient. It's what makes you get aligned with your values and know where your, you know, your, your bold, bright lines are that you will not cross. Um, This is all part of the journey that we signed up for when we agreed to become parents. Um, and it's not always going to feel great. It's not always going to be Instagram moments of your yeah. you know, of your baby, mm-hmm. but um, you come out the other side so much stronger. It, it's all worth it in the long run, but you have to be willing to adjust and get support and yeah. sort of make your own path the way you need it to be. And I, I, and I just have to add, like, it's so much easier said than done mm-hmm. when you're in it. It's, it feels impossible. And that's why I created the field of parental leave coaching 15 years ago, because having someone in your corner who is able to reflect back to you, all these things that we're talking about that can help you role play or script those difficult conversations that can remind you of your value when you forget is so, so important to getting through this time in a, in the beautiful ways that we're describing are possible. Yeah, for sure. Now, talk to me more, and I have two final questions for y'all. Talk to me more about what people can expect from your book, The Parental Leave Playbook, and when they should start reading it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. She knows my answer to that. Do you have- <laughs> I can, I'll tell you, I'll tackle the what to expect. Um okay. so you can expect to think about parental leave in a way that's very different from what you've seen in the culture so okay. far. Right? So do some deep thinking, some deep assessing and some deep planning in a way that's really going to put you in touch with the gifts of this time and help you see the challenges coming. Okay. So that you have a, you're better equipped to deal with them. Um, we're also very big on not just planning, but contingency planning. And okay. as I referred to a moment ago, deploying one of your contingency plans does not mean that you have failed. Right. Very rarely do things go according to plan. And when you throw children in the mix, <laughs> they almost never go according yeah. to plan. Yeah. But just that act of planning will help you react more flexibly in the moment. Um And I really think the book will set you up well for all of the future big transitions in your life as well. It's It's so much easier to adjust a plan than to come up with it from scratch while you're in the thick of it. Exactly. Exactly. And very often, you know, we, in the book, we mentioned kind of the way you want to approach reading it is you may be skimming it, you know, in that preparing for leave phase and thinking certain things won't apply to you and maybe they won't. Or maybe you'll need to come back and reread some of the parts again, because all of a sudden you'll be like, whoa, I didn't think this was going to happen to me, but here it is. Um, So it's something that you can come back to again and again, even if you're already in that return phase, let's say you've even been back for three months, right? It's still the kind of book that will help you think about it in new ways and help you adjust. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, I just want to add, because... We couldn't cram everything in. We also it comes with a whole series of tools of resources on a web page that you get access to with it. They okay. include action planning templates and reflection workbooks and checklists lists and scripts and you know all sorts of things that 
um, we really wanted this to be a coaching experience for people who are not able to afford it or don't have access to a coach for whatever reason. Yeah, and talk to me more about that service that y'all provide. Where can people find out more information about that? And who is that service right for? Um, well, the model, the I built the entire company off of my my the development of the pedagogy around retain parental leave coaching. And so retain is an acronym, which we, we don't need to get into. With the retain coaching, what we did originally, it's an aligned model. That's where I was going with this. Um, it is a, the aligned, the book is written for parents only because the publisher wanted that. They didn't want the book that was the aligned mm-hmm. book for managers and parents. And so all of our work is about giving the supports to that parent and creating that shared language and process with their manager as well. And okay. so that um, is, is a sort of roundabout way to answer who is this for. It is for managers and for mm-hmm. expecting parents. Okay. And the parental leave coaching work, we have historically have only sold into client companies, but as the, mm-hmm. the, the market in our country is slow to grow and slow for clients to take that on. We're really seeing that parents are coming to us directly and saying, please, I need this. I need this. So we've just started this year offering direct to parent coaching. And we also are through the retain parental leave coaching certification program that starts March 7th. We are, um, training up coaches around the country so that people will, there'll be more and more people over time to help support the 8 million um, babies and their parents that are born each year in the U.S. and their managers. That is so exciting. (laughs) It's really, I mean, that is so exciting because I've I've never heard of anybody doing this other than y'all. And this is so, so needed because, you know, even in my community inside Sterling Parents, mm-hmm. we have um, once a month we get together as a community and I can't tell you how often this is what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about there's career me and there's this, you know, even, even people who already are parents, but now they have a second or a third child and they're trying to navigate that. And it's something that comes up time and time again. And this is one of the only resources that I know that helps people through this. Yes, it is. And 15 years ago, when I conceived of this field, I had a goal of creating not just the the products and the services and the foundation for the companies, but also um, entire area of, of work for people who have been forced yeah. out of traditional work and need flexible, well-paying work that they love to do and gain meaning and value from. So that's why I'm so excited about this new phase of it outside of our internal coaches, because yeah. we're just being flooded by people who are like, oh my gosh, I'm a counselor, I'm a doula, I do this work with parents, or I'm a coach or a consultant. And this just strikes such a chord in me. How do I yeah. learn more? Because I want to get this to my clients already. Yeah. Right. I love this. So where can people, we've got the parental leave playbook. Where else can people learn more about what you do and your coaching and your certification programs? 
um, website is www.cpl, which stands for Center of Parental Leave, and then the word leadership, cplleadership.com. Um, if you're interested in the book, do forward slash book. And okay. if you're interested in the retained certification, do forward slash certification. Um, our email, you can get both of us at info at cplleadership.com. And we and follow us on all the social medias. You can buy the book anywhere books are sold. And we recommend, I didn't ever answer the question about when. You should get oh, yeah. it as early as possible. Get it for a wedding gift. Get it for yeah. a graduation gift. Like have it on the shelf. But um, at the very least for a baby shower gift. I think that's a, I think that's wonderful advice. Yeah. I'm so excited to, you know, have had this conversation with you because I know that it's going to help so many people and we will put links to, um, all of your, you know, to your book and to your website in the show notes for this episode, but just thank you so much for doing this really important work and, okay. uh, leading the charge here because, yeah. you know, we need it. Thank you so much. It's Thank you. really wonderful to hear. All right. Y'all have a beautiful day. You too. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Becoming Moms. If you were looking for more support from me during your pregnancy journey, head over to sterlingparents.com to learn more about our membership. The Sterling Parents membership now comes with a private Instagram account where members can send me direct messages 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Pregnancy is hard. You deserve support. Head over to sterlingparents.com to get the best support available for your pregnancy.